When your group gets together to play, how can you make sure you're all on the same page? My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week we'll be talking about the invisible agreements you and your friends have when you sit down to play a board game. We call it the Play Contract. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, folks. Joining me this week are Mady Gelsma. Hello. And Dan Legault. Hello. So I have this theory that whenever problems, like real world problems, happen between people sitting at a game table, it's because they have different ideas of what the play contract is. They're kind of with different expectations of what's, what's, what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to behave and how they're supposed to feel. Do you, Am I onto something here? Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, usually for me when I've been playing games, if we've actually gotten into an argument, it rarely has anything to do with the game itself, um, more so with the player's approach to playing the game. Right, and what they were expecting to get out of it. Mm-hmm. How about you, Dan? Do you think so? Oh, absolutely. I mean, at some point, there's always somebody who takes something a little too seriously or, you know, somebody who just takes too long. All sorts of factors can come into play for that. Like it's Or somebody doesn't take it seriously enough. That's true, yeah. You know, yeah. So making light of this thing that other people want to enjoy and get a challenge out of. So the big challenge, then, is to get everybody on the same page. If people have the same expectations, then conflicts shouldn't be that big a deal. So let's start with some of the conflicts that you can get into. Obviously, the first conflict that can possibly arise when you have friends over to play is what are we going to play? What game is it actually going to be? So is that ever an issue for you in, in your experience? You know, having to One person wants to play this, another person wants to play that. Does that ever get to be... I've had that before. Um, a bunch of us wanted to play Bonanza, but one person particularly really didn't want to play. Um, and it was kind of... They still wanted to play in the end, but their lack of interest in the game affected how they played the game. So the rest of us were kind of tailing our moves to get the other person more interested in the game, and it, it affected the gameplay overall. Yeah, that sounds like it could be pretty awkward. Uh, was it the, the, the type of game that Bonanza is, or was it because they'd played that specific game before and didn't care for it? It was a perceived notion of what Bonanza was. Ah. In the end, they loved it, and they actually won. So wow. score one for seduced people to Bonanza. <laughs> nice work. What, what, what were they thinking it was going to be? What, what was that expectation? It's hard to sell most people on a game about trading beans and being a bean farmer. You know, I've actually sold that one, that particular tale, saying this is the best game about bean farming that has ever been published. That usually works, but uh, obviously not always. Uh, how about you? Uh, I've run into this situation a ton of times, actually, where you have uh, different groups of people. Um, you'll have a few people who have one interest in playing one thing, and then you'll have one person who kind of wants to play something later, or maybe a party game, or that sort of deal. Um, doesn't necessarily fit in with everybody else at the table's perspective right now. And I guess um, it can make them kind of miserable if they're stuck playing something that's more complicated exactly. than they want. And it can make others miserable if they're stuck playing something where they don't feel like they can get the kind of challenge. Right. So as a guru, you sort of try to triangulate the best thing for the group at hand, but that's not always possible. And especially if the players aren't on the same page to begin with. Exactly. Well, if a game's going over poorly, you know, forget the guru thing for the time being. Let's let's take a look at uh, that personal situations. So if a game is, is going over poorly or if it's going over long, should you abandon it mid-play? Is that a good idea? I've rarely done that. Um, usually, anytime when I've really felt something sort of dragging on, I, I've sort of hunkered down and swallowed my pride and just gone with it. But if I've noticed other people around the table are also sort of becoming a little bit tense about the situation, I, I say call a game, you know, just leave it as it is. So. I can't say I've actually stopped a game, even if some of those things were happening. Just kind of trudged through. I don't know. Just can't not finish a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to depend at least partly on how long it is too, mm. right? 
I mean, uh, the, the shorter a game is, the more likely people are to stick it out. The longer it is, the more likely they are, I guess, to kind of lose patience and say, you know, can we just play to 15 points instead of whatever we're supposed to play to? Arkham Horror and, like, Merchants and Marauders are two Ugh. games that I've uh, I've run into that situation with a few times now. Did you finish um, them out? Uh, the Arkham Horror, definitely. Uh, the Merchants and Marauders, you can sort of tailor the, the points, like you said. So sometimes there is alternatives to help cut down on on things to end it faster. But yeah, Monopoly is also one that can run into that one all the time. If you have a group of people who some of them want to play something that's familiar and comfortable from their childhoods and others want to play something that's more modern, Monopoly can be a real showstopper because it can just go on and on and on. And I think that might be the only instance of a game that I've never finished, Monopoly. Hmm. Just because I was like, well... I'm so far behind, and you're clearly going to win. Why do we go through the motions? Let's just end it right here. Yeah. There's all those house rules, too, that people implement mm. for that one, just dragging it out even longer. Yeah, you mm. put money on free parking, it's going to extend the game yep. a lot. And once you've got your game started, more problems kind of rise through the actual play itself. One of the big ones is the question of should you try as hard as possible to win? Now, this one's tricky because in order for a game to work, two things have to be true about your attitude. One, you have to care enough about the game to try your best, otherwise it undermines the experience and makes it so that nobody's victory is going to mean anything. Two, you need to not care about the game so much that you'll be okay with losing, otherwise it's just straight up bad. So how can you get a sense from the table of how seriously a game is to be taken? What are some signs you can look for? I'd say sometimes it's um, it's a matter of experience with games. People who played a lot of games tend to be invested in the games, but they tend to take losing or winning a little more in stride, whereas people who don't play games very often can very get very sensitive about losing the game or winning the game and get very competitive in that nature. I've heard it said um, that um, people who don't like games care a lot more about how well they do in games than people who do like them. I guess that's kind of true because I'm the opposite. I love games, but I'm not really good at them. I just like being there and playing them. Yep. And I expect the people I'm playing with to play the game to the best of their ability, but not be a jerk about it. <laughs> so I know that they beat me. That's perfectly fine. Just don't rub it in. And speaking of being a jerk, uh, that brings us to the topic of trash talk. Uh, trash talk is a hallowed institution at some game tables. We're being horrible to the other players, being just intensely cruel with your smack talk is a big deal. And at other tables, that's just going to result in hurt feelings and nothing more. Uh, how can you avoid that problem? The, um, the most recent time I ran into this personally uh, with the play contract experience, I was the person trash talking. Uh, it was three people. Gee, really? You? Did Me? It? Yeah, I know. Trash talk? It's just unbelievable. <laughs> um, but uh, it was a settlers of Catan, and it was with a couple of people who hadn't played. Catan before, and having played Catan far too many times, um, <laughs> we used to play a variant back uh, in my game track days of being uh, screaming settlers, is what we call it, um, where you just were the most horrible people to each other the entire game. You would just say stuff like, uh, "I'm not trading with you. You're not my friend ever again." You know, sort of, sort of that kind of deal. I thought that version um, of Settlers was called Cities and Knights. <laughs> uh, we did play a lot of Cities and Knights, but um, that sort of became a behavioral thing with that for me. So bringing people into Catan and them wanting to sort of have that easy like little let's all be friends and trade and stuff like that where I'm kind of being the jerk you know behind the scenes who's uh well I'm gonna play the Monopoly card now that I just traded all that weed away. I'm gonna take all I feel like that it's the difference between banter and like legit trash talking. There's an art to banter. It like actually excels the game a little bit. It makes it a little bit better. Right. Whereas like trash talking just 
makes you look like a jerk and makes other people unhappy. Well, that's sometimes the people at the paper table too, right? Some people can think that banter is trash talk. Mm, that's true. How well that, you know the other players can be a huge thing. I mean, people are more likely to get upset about trash talk from somebody who they don't know very well. Somebody who they're close to, uh, who's a friend or family member, maybe they can get away with all kinds of horrifying things that you would never be able to say to uh, a new person or, God forbid, a stranger. But... Um, then there's the matter of going too soft on people, you know, helping other players, pointing out possible moves that they could do. Some people really don't like that. You know, They want to enjoy the challenge. They want to exercise their mental muscles. And if somebody points out a good move for them, that kind of wrecks it for them. Uh, is it okay to, to help other players or solicit help from players in a competitive game? You know, I have a, a story for this. Um, it's uh, Risk Legacy. Um, we've right. been playing that for 15, almost 15 games now. Um, we ran into a situation last game where we all discuss the best possible move. We're all invested in the game. We're all gamers. We're all talking about strategies all the time while we're playing the game. One of the guys is very close to having a shutout victory. We still have five more games to go. Okay. If he wins one more, it's locked in. Okay. Last game, we had somebody who informed him how to defeat me, who's only won one game <laughs> the entire thing, <laughs> uh, so that he could lock down his victory. Um, the last couple moves. So that can happen where you have one person who explains how to win to the other person and that can create the other elements. And then, of course, there's the opposite of that, which is when players decide they're just going to do something because it seems fun, regardless of whether or not it's counterproductive to their actual victory in the game. You ever do something that's in characters? I'm going to do this, even though I'm not going to win. I'm just going to do it anyway because... It's not a board game, um, but <laughs> in uh, Mario Kart, I'm also not very good at that. Surprise, I know. <laughs> so when I knew that I was going to lose, I would just turn around and go backwards around the track. <laughs> Head on collisions <laughs> Head on for collisions. the win. <laughs> I guess I've done that in board games before maybe as well. There's no reference or no specific examples come to mind. I definitely have. Any sort of dungeon crawler where you're taking on a character, I like to sometimes muck around with the silly things that character may or may not do, even though it might be counterproductive. Like, Have you ever cost uh, your team the victory and something like that? Not necessarily, but I've definitely hindered it more than I've, <laughs> I've helped it. I once played a game of Resistance that was so good. It was Everyone was just so into it, and one player like revealed what they were, and all of a sudden we couldn't play the game anymore. It was just the worst. <laughs> Okay, so we've got a rules dispute now. Everybody loves those, right? You've got a situation where we're not quite sure what the correct rule is. Do you just steamroll and say, you know what, let's just keep the game going. We'll make an ad hoc ruling. We'll keep playing. Or should we look it up in the rules, try to find the actual rule? Or if the rules in the actual rule book are apparently ambiguous, should we go to the internet and try to find a discussion forum? Or do this? How seriously do we have to take following the rules of the game? It takes, um, I think sometimes I do a little bit of all three. You know, you, you take a look at the rules, can't find it, rat in the back, not there, pop on the geek, don't see it, make that call. Um, the geek, by the way, folks, is BoardGameGeek.com, the authority on uh, board games. Yeah. I had once, I was playing, it was a Forbidden Island. It was my friend's first experience in co-op because we had played a bunch of games together and all new to her and she didn't want to make the kill move. I'm like, I think I have a game for you. It's a co-op. We're working together against the game. And we... We lost pretty early on in the game, but we still wanted to keep playing, so we just pretended it didn't happen and just kept going because we were having fun doing it. It didn't really matter to anyone, really. And it was the fast and loose style of play that, uh, that, that the people had entered the contract to. People mm -hmm. sitting at that table, they were there for that kind of experience. 
so yeah, that, that it's, it's about being on the same page, obviously. Now, for dealing with these kinds of conflicts, prevention clearly is the best way to do it. Try to make sure people know what to expect when you get them together to play games. Make sure they know what kind of games you're going to be playing, how serious the tone is going to be, uh, whether or not alcohol is going to be consumed. Uh, that can affect things a lot. But supposing you're playing something and you're just not feeling it and you feel that you may be going against the play contract, how can you check in with your friends and, and deal with this as an issue? I think I become more caustic. <laughs> um, my trash talk just sort of ramps up a little bit more and I guess I can sort of find some amusement in being the dick at the table in that case. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things, right? Like if you know you're the odd man out in a situation, you if people, you know... You sort of have to go along to get along. Exactly. So you finish it out at least. But uh, Yeah, usually I disengage a bit. Like I've... I remember playing Ginkopolis and hating it and hating my life for having to play it. But <laughs> I was like, well, these these dudes I'm playing with are super into it. So I'm just going to take a back seat, go through the motions of finishing the game and let them enjoy themselves. Did you, do you say stay quiet that entire time? or did No, you... I, like, I played the game, but I didn't really give it my all. So yeah, see, it would be the opposite with me. I'd be talking the entire time about how much I hate this thing. <laughs> um, so Ruining it for everyone else. Yeah, I actually Not necessarily did. ruining it, but try to be funny about... right. To provide, if you can't provide entertainment in the form of challenge, you can at least provide entertainment in the form of banter. Right. Um, I actually, one of the two things in my adult gaming life that I'm really quite ashamed of is a friend of mine brought a copy of Munchkin to uh, to the cottage one time, and I could not restrain myself <laughs> from demonstrating my contempt over the course of the game and then and she realized just how much fun I was not having and how I was basically destroying it for everybody else and she called the game and put it away and I felt so awful that's the only situation I've had that exact same situation with that exact same game <laughs> um, it's happened every time people have made me play that game um, I've never even I, played that game but it's ingrained on me from listening to you guys all the time <laughs> I hope honestly I hope you wouldn't if you did play it you, that you would enjoy it just like, I hope everybody would enjoy the, stuff. Uh, but The last time I played it, uh, people said it was like enacting in some sort of torture on me. Because um, <laughs> I was just sitting in my chair, squirming and wincing and just hating every minute of it. So If you can make that torture enjoyable for the other players to watch, then it's fine. <laughs> but for me, I was trying to share my pain yeah. and make them feel tortured as well. It's, it was just the worst. I was the worst. But... Um, Ultimately, what it's about is being on the same page. That's uh, that's that's the thing that we keep coming back to. If you've got a game group, if you've got people who you care, you want to enjoy a game a game session with, give them an idea of what to expect. The clearer you can be about that, the less likely that you're going to run into these kinds of problems. And that wraps it up for this week. Mandy, Dan, thanks for coming on the show with me. Thanks, man. Came on. Uh, thanks also to Emmanuel Chung for inspiring the topic of this week's show. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast, post us on Facebook, or use the contact form at snakesandlattes.com. We're always curious to know what our listeners are interested in hearing about. The SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas, music is provided by Ben Sound, the opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. See you next week. Game on. Game on.